0: Hey, open your Bibles. You know what? I think even before I do this. I want to show a video today. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with a video. Okay, Heather Dornenden from Minnesota, Minnesota, and uh, her name is Heather Kumpf now, and uh, so you watched that race, and uh, we're going to do like congregation interactive time now. What were you thinking? What were some of the things you thought as you watched that? Is she gonna be able to walk? She did have a spot on her face where her face hit the track. Yeah, what else? She never gave up. Okay, Okay. never gave up. Go girl. (laughs) Somebody else, back in the back. It's humiliating. Yeah. Falling down is humiliating, okay? We would we might think that. Somebody? Yeah, how did she go from a fall to a win? Pretty incredible, huh? Yeah, Some, was somebody going to stop and help her? No, <laughs> not, <laughs> not those girls. <laughs> by the way, she went, I think that was, a, that was a heat, but she went on to win the national championship in the 600. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, too, she, she loves Jesus, and she's a famous racer now. She's a pro racer, runs for ASICs. But my question is, and this is the thing I want to just want everybody to chew on this: What did she see? What in the world did the girl see? What was her vision going into that race? That's 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 the thing that we got to think about. What did she see? She saw winning. She never quit. Emotional endurance. Okay, so she could have totally flipped and started weeping as she was, as her legs were coming up behind her, right? I mean, that's, that was one option. Okay? She saw some stuff. She had vision. That's, the, that's my point here today, because we're going to talk about a lot of different things today, but the vision that we run the race with, and it really is a race. That's a biblical way of looking at our life. You know, Paul says, I've run the race, I've finished the course. You know, there, there really is a race for us. And there's some boundaries for us. You know, the, the track has some boundaries. And there's lots of ways of, of running the race. And so, I, I want us to just ponder this a bit uh, today in looking at Psalm 23, verse 6. Psalm 23 verse 6. We're finishing up the psalm. Let me just read through it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. Okay, there's there's some vision that you need for having a restored whole wholeness in our lives. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we're coming to the end of this, this series, Restoring the Soul. And, you know, the part of life that's like a race is that sometimes we're running and we're doing good, right? We're, we're feeling it. Sometimes we're not feeling it. Some mornings we don't feel like it. Some mornings we feel like we've fallen or we've gotten hit by a Mack truck, you know, and we're down on the, down on the, you know, we're down on the track there. Sometimes I think that we lose our focus, you know, and instead of running the race, we just kind of <laughs> just wander off to the side of the track or out of the stadium, out of the building altogether, right? I'm not trying to say anything big-time theological there, but just we wander around, right? We can lose our focus, and you know, the thing that's going to most radically affect the way we live is vision. We are called to be people that have vision. Jesus is supposed to be in the in the center of our focus. And without a vision of our lives and who we are, what we're doing, where we're trying to go, what the finish line is, without that vision we cast off restraint. That's what Proverbs 29 says. Without vision we cast off restraint, the people perish. But it's like without vision we just you know, we're just kind of wandering around. And so we need vision. Psalm 23, verse 6, "...Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life." So I want us to see that. Something is going to be happening all the days of my life. And that's, that's a great vision. That's a great way for us to live, knowing that something's going to be pursuing me all the days. And I've been thinking about that a lot this past week, like in the mornings going, Lord, Your love is pursuing me this morning. Your goodness, Your mercy... All the days of my life, and, and we're going to be somewhere forever, forever, right? And my, as my dear friend John Brown from Georgia used to say, "Well, Jamie, it means something." He would look at some text that I'd I'd be going, uh, <laughs> something like, "Sell your possessions and give you know the poor, or, you know, some kind of radical you know statement." He goes, "It means something." And it, this means something here. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And uh, it does. It means, it means something. And so the Lord wants to restore our soul. He wants us to have vision for running this race all the days of our life and finishing in the house of the Lord forever. And a key part of this psalm, that, as we've been looking at it, is seeing that God wants to, he wants to bring wholeness to our lives Rest. And so we looked at uh, reconnecting. We want to be connected with Jesus. We want to be aligned with his ways. And when we get in his presence, you know, it makes us want to align ourselves with his ways and his will and what he wants for our lives. So reconnect, realign, refill. You know, when we're with him, he sets the table before us, he fills us up, he anoints our head as a host. We've seen the Lord as the shepherd and the Lord as the host who fills us up, and all four of these ideas, and then today is re-envision, but you, can't, you don't just do one of these and kind of move on. You don't move on from vision, you don't move on from connecting with the Lord, you don't move on from being filled up. You know, you need all of those things going on in our lives. It's not just a straight line and we kind of pass that little marker and now we've moved on. It's more like a, an upward helix Of growth. And you keep revisiting these things again and again in the journey. That's the way we grow. But vision does help us make right choices about following the Lord and listening to the Lord and saying yes and no to things in life. Without it, we just do whatever, we wander off. So the main thing is this today. The main thing is that we are called to an everyday vision of the goodness of God so that we can live in ongoing wholeness and restoration. Okay, that's what we call restoring the soul. Who wants in on this? I do. So let's look, first of all, at everyday vision. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's that's the everyday vision. I've got a vision for something happening in my life every day, and you don't outgrow um, uh, knowing the Lord. Are the lights fully up in here? Is it it just the shining in my face? I can't see. Y'all can see? Okay. Um, So, um, we're talking about running the race. Everyday, everyday vision, all the days of my life. And so where do we start out if we're going to try to understand Psalm 23 or any other kind of passage in the Old Testament? Where's the starting point? That's right, Jesus. Jesus is absolutely right. You say... You start reading the Old Testament by looking at Jesus? Are you really serious? Yes, absolutely. In fact, Paul says it's a mystery until you see Jesus Christ. God will be a mystery to you until you see Jesus Christ. He is the light that shines in the darkness. He is the image that reveals what God's really like. He is the glory of God on display. So I can't say that enough. It's just He is the key that unlocks The Old Testament unlocks what God's really like, unlocks how to interpret the Bible. We look through the lens of Jesus in order to avoid pitfalls and religious stuff that we say about God that has nothing to do with what God is like in reality. And anybody can do it. You can take a Bible verse and tack something on God that's not like what God really is in the way He's revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. It's crazy. But it can happen. So, the starting point then is Jesus Christ, who, who helps define what our view of God really is. And so, I may or may not come up with a view of God. If I'm not looking at Jesus, when I see surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, I may not get to really believe that until I see that God comes and literally lays down His life for me while I'm an enemy in order to deal with me, take me to the grave, Adam to the grave, and be raised up so that my life can be in Him, and then even ascended to the right hand of God, I don't necessarily get that, and I won't necessarily interpret surely goodness and love in that way. It'll be maybe something warm and fuzzy, but it won't be that's the way God is. Does that make sense? So, when we look at Jesus, man, it radically shapes our vision for everyday living. Surely, goodness Love, mercy, it's that, um, the, the word for love there is hesed. It's the Hebrew word that is, uh, it's where we translate uh, mercy or steadfast love of the Lord or the unfailing love of the Lord. Whenever you see that in the Psalms, the unfailing love of the Lord, it's that word hesed. And uh, so what happens here is, in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies... And then David turns this thing on, his, on its head. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And rather than enemies pursuing, this is the word for follow there, is, it's a military word. And so instead of enemies pursuing, you've got God pursuing with His love and goodness and His mercy. He's coming, he's coming after us. Like for everybody that's worried about God coming after us, He's coming after you. But He's coming after you with goodness and love and mercy. Because that's who He is. And, and when we get that, you know, we want His kindness literally does lead to repentance. And when we see the way God really is and not how we've slimed Him and painted Him out of our own brokenness and messed up wounds and all this stuff and, and say that that's what God's like, when we see that He's like Jesus... Man, everything it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Without Jesus, we come up with some crazy ideas about what God is like. Micah and I were talking the other day. um, I was going to say we were eating together. I was standing up eating a hamburger in about four minutes, and he was standing there talking to me. But anyway, we had a great talk, and uh, he reminded me of the sandlot which is a great picture of how you can misconceive how somebody really is. Okay, so Sandlot, remember, some of you guys saw the Sandlot, this great story about these kids, and they hit the ball over the fence, and there was this like mutant monster dog, you know, back behind, Just he was like 10 feet tall, all the stuff that comes out. And so finally one day, toward the end of the movie, and, and they think the, the owner's just this mean guy, and they get, they get the courage to go to the door, and they, the, the door opens, and it's James Earl Jones. Like, loving, kind, grandfatherly kind of guy invites them Come on in. Come on in. I can't do that deep enough. James Earl Jones. And uh, so they, they get their whole world rearranged about what that guy was like, the dog was nice. You know, And there's some of that that kind of has to happen with us as we look to Jesus about seeing what God is really like. And I mean, the Bible's filled with examples over and over again about people having wrong ideas about God, about His goodness, about His love, about His mercy. And religion is what we do when we misconstrue what God is like and we create this this separation between us, and that's the, the separation is the place where sin happens, you know? And so, like, the story of Jonah. Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah, and, uh, you know, this, this generation's looking for a miraculous sign, a wonder, you know? And it's the religious guys that are asking for that. And so, what is what, what all is... it's definitely three days in the fish, three days in the earth for Jesus... But the sign of Jonah is like more comprehensive than that. I mean, if you think about what all happens with Jonah, the first thing he does, God speaks to him and... He takes off. He takes off running in the other direction. He is afraid of the Lord. Okay? That's that's pretty standard stuff, right? Afraid, not like fear and reverence in a good way. I mean like afraid. Like running away and hiding. Like Adam and Eve in the garden. That kind of the fall happens, and they hide from God. He's hiding from God. Storm comes up. He's tossed over the sea. Fish spit out on the beach. I'm, I'm fast forwarding through the thing real quick here, and uh, spit out goes to Nineveh. God says, "Preach repentance to them." He goes through and preaches, and he is ticked. I might, just hear me. He is upset when this city of 100,000 people repents and sackcloth and ashes and gives their life to the Lord. He is bothered by that. The, the mercy of God in his mind is too much. God's mercy is too big. It's too much for, for, for Jonah in that time. The way I kind of wrote it down, Yancy and I were talking about this, this when mercy becomes offensive to us. And the phrase I wrote down is that God is so much more merciful than our current level of religion will allow. He's more merciful than what our current level of understanding about Him will allow for. And so, when we're thinking about big mercy that's following us every day, think about even more. Because in our own mind, our own system of justice, its again, there's lots of examples of this, um, See, Jesus says one guy is hired out by a, by a vineyard owner or by a farmer to work for one denarius a day at the beginning of the day. And then somebody else is hired and then other guys are hired at the very end of the day, right before the last hour. And so then at the end of the day, the guy that started at the beginning is thinking, you know, I'm going to get some good money here, you know, because the first guy's given a denarius. And then the guys that come in the middle of the day are given a denarius. And then the guy at the end is given a denarius, but he's ticked. Because that's not right. I should have been given more. That's, not, that's unjust that he would get as much mercy as I'm getting. These, he's subverting the religious mind. That's what Jesus is doing there. He's subverting the religious mind. Or when the disciples uh, see a guy cast in demons out of somebody and they said Lord what should we do should we go get him he's not in our group he's not in our group he's not one of us we need to go you know give him the business or whatever they were going to do I don't call down fire or something you know I've been reading the gospel of John this past week just in a fresh way just going Lord John was trying to say the most important things about the gospel and I've just been blown away that He keeps saying stuff that's different than the way we say it today. And one of the key parts of His explanation of the Gospel is that Jesus is coming and subverting religious thinking. He is subverting religious thinking about separation. He's subverting religious thinking about the way the, we, we think the way things ought to be. You know? And it was missing mercy. That's one of the big deals. I want more than... I want more than your great sacrifice and all the ways you're going to lay your life down. I want, your, I want mercy. I desire mercy. That's what I'm looking for. Because that's the way He is. Okay? So an everyday vision that's filled with Jesus and His love and His mercy following me, pursuing me, I can run a race. I can run a race... Knowing that the love of God is following me. Knowing that the the mercy of God is pursuing me like that. I can run the race with everyday vision all the days of my life. So here's what I want you to do. Here's the uh, homework for today. Is to wake up tomorrow morning and think about what God's vision is for you in this day. What's He pursuing you with Sunday, today, or Monday, tomorrow, or Tuesday morning. Everyday vision. The second piece. The second piece there is not just our everyday vision, but our eternal vision. And he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Back to the Sandlot. That's the right movie, right? Forever. I need to watch it again. Yeah. So... It's a, little, it's a little easier for us to talk about uh, e- an eternal vision when we start realizing that God's better than what we think in our darkened kind of thinking. I know that's kind of a hard way of saying it, but His mercy, if it's more than what our current level of religion will allow for, then it's a good deal. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, and the Lord we looked at last time, the Lord is our host. And he welcomes us into his house, and then he anoints our head with oil, fills us up, takes care of us like little children, like guests, like travelers, you know. And check this out, this is my, uh, my, my Hebrew tidbit for the day, and uh, I got it because we have a Where's Lynette? We have a Hebrew scholar as one of our elders. And so um, he goes, yeah, you know, the word there for dwell isn't the word for dwell. I was like, well, why isn't the word for dwell? Because that's what the Bible says. He goes, I know. I I don't know. But the word is actually return. And I will return. He goes, it is the word for return. But it doesn't make as much sense when we're just reading it. And so they put dwell in there, which is, is fine. You get there, but... But the, the, the thing is, and I will return to the house of the Lord, here's the thing if we've experienced the goodness and hospitality of God, then it makes a whole lot more sense to think, Yeah, I'm going to return to that place again. That's one of the things we talked about last time is that when you've been shown hospitality and you've broken bread with somebody and you've shared a meal, it's like you want to you you've created a bond there of relationship. And you know that that's a safe place to return to. And I will return to the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good vision piece. So, return, I always think kind of like repentance. You know, like turning back to the Lord. And uh, so when I put these things together, kind of this whole big concept I've been talking about here, it's not odd that I would end up with this, but, but I think about Christ the church, and the glory of God. Seriously. I look at this psalm and I think Christ, the church, and the glory of God. A revelation of God in Jesus Christ who is like this loving, kind shepherd for us. Who is a host who brings us in and fills us up and takes care of us and gives us a vision for living life in a whole way with a restored soul. Not wiped out, flat on the track, walking off the track, but filled up. And and that it's the house of the Lord is where this whole thing takes shape. It's, it's a together thing. It's a great vision of the future. It's the, the forever future is that when you read the New Testament, you start seeing this thing about the house of the Lord's a big deal. Ephesians 2, 19-22, that we are a, a building together that the Lord has done. There's no more dividing wall. Not the races. Not gender. Not socio-economic stuff that would keep us separated. We are one new, not religion. We are one new man in Jesus Christ. He didn't come to start a new religion. Okay, he came to make everything right and bring all people, every tribe, language, nation, and tongue together in oneness in Him. You know, and so now we're starting to talk about a vision that of the finish line that's going to keep me getting up again and again when I fall down. A vision of living life in a forever kind of way in the house of the Lord. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the things about the church is that it's, we are not... Uh, if you look at the end of the story, you see that you know, the dwelling of God is now with men. The new heavens and the new earth, they're joined together. And there's no more separation anymore between heaven and earth. Okay, a renewed earth and people, not just spirits floating around with wings and, and harps. And y'all are looking at me funny. I know I have to do this, and we're going to talk about it in the next series as well on Philippians, but we are going to be raised from the dead. We are going to be bodily raised from the dead. Okay, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Heaven. But that's not the end of the story. We're literally going to be raised from the dead. It's not the point of this message, but I want you guys to have vision for living life in a real way. Not just floating around, you know, just... in. That's just, you know, white soundstage and dry ice and us kind of walking around. I mean, that's not, think new heavens, new earth, absolutely glorified earth with glorified bodies. That If we saw ourselves, we'd probably want to worship that version of us. It's going to be so much more than where we are now. I mean, it's powerful just thinking about that stuff. But that's, that's vision. And so, the end of the story is that God's going to do this with us. That's where this thing is going. And so, in our hearts, we get messed up ideas about the church, but, but hang on a second, that's where this thing is going. All of the people, Jew, Gentile, all the races together in Christ. We can't be like just bummed out and ticked off about these people all the time because they're going to be there. <laughs> all these people are going to be there. So I've got to have a vision of uh, an eternal vision that shapes the way I live right now. That all these people, they matter. And even though there's junk we go through and there's stuff we experience and there's pains that we go through, you know, more than anything, what the enemy, I mean, Here's a demonic, hellish, satanic strategy right now. I don't do this a lot, but this is one of them. And that is to get people to not like the church. Ticked off, I'm wounded, I'm hurt. And you know what? If you haven't experienced that, it's only because you haven't lived in the church long enough yet. The question isn't, are you going to be hurt by somebody? Is someone going to let you down? Is someone going to not meet your expectation of what you thought they should have done in that moment? They should have come to you. They should have come to you quicker. They should have, they should have gotten down on their knees and begged you for repentance or whatever the thing was, right? And in our worst moments, any of us can think those thoughts. Please, the older ones first, at least not yes. <laughs> and, and so And so something happens... Along the way, and having a vision for eternity, a forever kind of vision about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, suddenly, you know, it's not just that that's where things are going and that's the finish line. This is actually how we run the race. It's not just the end, it's the means by which we get there. It's not just that, yeah, one day in the by and by, I'm going to get things worked out and love those people. He's wanting us to start right now. Oh, this, is, this is glorious, man. This will get you up off the track. This will get you back into the stadium and out of the stands and, and, and running the race and, and being in, being engaged. It's not just one day out there somewhere. It's, it's right now. It's loving people right now. This, this wealth that's in the room is beyond anyone's ability to comprehend this is the glorious inheritance of jesus christ riches beyond our ability to fathom it's beautiful when you start thinking like this it's beautiful i mean you think of the the coolest sunset you've ever seen Driving up to the Grand Canyon that first time, and I literally stopped in the middle of the road when the trees broke, and I saw it. Blew my mind. Okay, so that's it's a beauty in creation. Sunset, you know, all the guys taking pictures of the sunset, and they're just they go on the computer drive, and we never look at them again. But way more beautiful than the sunset, way more beautiful than any of the art, the best music that's ever been played. Is this his people who still have this creative power in us by his spirit to keep creating beautiful, wonderful things? It's like the hope of everything being made right inside of us, it's the hope of glory, Jesus Christ in you. Wow! So, I mean, so I got a vision for everyday living. But I've also got a vision for forever, an, an eternal vision that stirs my heart and it gets me up off the track when I fall down. And it makes me not want to chunk it and forget about it and quit. I mean, you know, getting back to Heather, I mean, that was pretty cool. You know, she's running a race, intercollegiate national championship, falls down, legs, I mean, literally come up a couple of feet behind her, face, plants. It, I, wow! And then gets up and, and runs. So our next steps. How do we do this? How do we live this thing out? And I, I think that for some of us, the, uh, the, the next step might be literally to come into the stadium. Come on into the stadium. Join us. For some, maybe you've been sitting in the stands for a while. And you go. You listen to this, and you go, man. I want to be in. I wanna. I want to get out of the stands and get down there and, and get on the track. And for others, maybe you've been running and you've fallen down. I think one of the best pictures that I've ever that I've ever seen of uh, somebody running, and then the father's love. Y'all, y'all, the 92 Olympics, and I'm just in. As a, I'm not going to show another video today, but. But Der- uh, Derek Redman was the guy's name. Derek Redman, he ran for the UK, for, for England. And uh, he pulls a hamstring, he's running the 400 I think it was, full speed, just going, making a move up to the front of the pack, and he pulls a hamstring, just pow! You know, and he said he thought he'd been shot. Down on the, cor- on the uh, course, on the, on the track, and then he realizes, and he just shakes his head, tears start flowing, and he gets up, and the guy's trying to get him to not run, but he's hobbling, you know, hobbling, you know, around the track. And he gets past the curve, and finally this, this guy starts coming out, security's trying to stop him. It's his dad, you know. His dad comes out on the track with him and, and puts his arm around him, and at first it kind of freaks him out, you know, and then, then he realizes it's his dad, and he just puts his head on his shoulder and starts crying, and his dad literally helps him across the finish line. Powerful story. You know, and that's, that's what He wants to do with us. you know. If you've fallen down, you're not alone. And sometimes it's going to look like other people. Sometimes it's going to be God meeting you when you're alone. Sometimes it's going to be God speaking to you or ministering to you on a Sunday or in life group or in a discipleship meeting. Just all the different ways that God comes through His people. Remember, the riches that He expresses comes through other people most often. Most often, it'll come through others to us. So what's your next step? You know, if you're, you're running the race strong, maybe it's just to keep going. And uh, I just, I just want to say that all around this room, we see ourselves in different ways. You know, and it depends on a lot of different factors, marriage, finances, Maybe there's sin in our lives or things where we're just we're off track, we're a little out of kilter, not calibrated in this particular season. But I'd want to say that God made He made you to be a powerful runner and to finish the race. And to run this race with vision. He's got you. And he's got your back. And he's gonna watch out for you. And you and you and He will never leave you? Never forsake you? Even when you can't see, He's got you. And somebody needs to hear that word. Especially as we're talking about a race. Don't kick into performance. It really is a race. But He's got you. And you're not trying to beat everybody else. Right? So where are you at in the race today? So we wrap this up. Jeremy, come on up, guys. I just want to—I want us to just respond to the Lord, and I want us to respond. Go ahead and stand up if you would. I want us to respond to the Lord in this way. Lord, what are you saying to me? What's my next step in the journey, and uh, in, in running the race? And so it might be. It might be getting out of the stands. It might be, hey, I want to start the race. Or maybe I've been running the race and I'm discouraged. Maybe I've fallen down and I'm wondering if I can even get up. Man, let somebody put their arm around you and be the Father right now and just express the Father's love and say, it's going to be okay. You're not done. He's not done with you. The race isn't over. He wants you to have vision for this day. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days. This day, and there's a vision for the future. So Lord, do it. In our hearts, in Jesus' mighty name, and Lord, I ask, Lord, where there needs to be that, uh, just a yes in our hearts to say, I want to have vision. I want to have that everyday vision. I want to have. I want to run the race. I want to, just, the reality, even that picture of of Heather falling down and then getting up and running. I want to have a vision so that I. That's absolutely what I would do. And sometimes I need help. And uh, we want to give you help. Don't leave today without getting someone to pray for you. For where you're at in the journey right now. God's not done. You're not finished. You're a powerful runner because of Christ in you. The hope of glory. So come. Whatever your need is this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, meet us. Meet us. I pray that we would not uh, walk away from an opportunity to take a step forward with You, to get up off the track, to get out of the stands. Lord, to come into the stadium, to start the journey with Jesus, if that's what we need to do. To start the race. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You guys, come on.